welcome back it's time for customers to click today we get to hear from another amazing brand from the uk as i'll be speaking with sophie bond the marketing director at nice the wine challenger brand we're going to be talking about how nice have used their customer community to grow their brand whether it's through actual crowdfunding and investment or just gathering feedback on new product launches community-led growth is absolutely the way forward at the moment so let's get sophie on now to find out how to do it Hi, Sophie. Thanks for joining me. Would you mind just giving us a bit of your background, an introduction to yourself and how you've got to where you are now? Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Will. So, yeah, a bit about me, I suppose. I've spent the past 10 years or so in creative and design roles, working across a variety of FMCG brands. So starting way back when at Red Bull. Um, I was on the Wings, Wings team for a year when I was at university. This is going right back to the start. And then yeah, I was able or lucky enough to do an internship with them at their headquarters in Austria, which was incredible. So working in the brand team there across their global, what they call consumer collecting program. So it was at a time when they were actually launching into Bangkok, which is ultimately the homeland of the original Red Bull. Yeah, super fun. Took over Bangkok for two weeks, a convoy of minis going around the center of Bangkok. It was chaos, but amazing. And yeah, just my time at Red Bull, I'll always be very thankful and learn from the best, particularly across, yeah, brand and marketing, I'd say. And then I joined Benefit Cosmetics collectively for about five years. So working my way up all the way from a product marketing assistant to senior designer and working across the entire marketing mix. There was more of a focus across e-commerce events and things like MPD. And it was a really fun way to be able to, yeah, dig deep into traditionally a brand to otherwise hadn't done or spent money on big above the line media campaigns. So there was a huge focus on e-commerce, working across different e-tailers. I then ended up joining Canada Temporary to help their brand marketing team. And I was there at a time when they were going through their fresh positioning and defining their positioning in the market. So did a lot of work to bring the strategy to life across like NPD, above the line campaigns, working very closely with trade marketing and events to disrupt the beer category. And then from beer, I've made my way into wine. So yeah, that brings me nicely to, to where I am now. I ended up having a conversation with Lucy, one of the co-founders at NICE, and we got talking and I quickly recognized that the huge potential this with this business in this particular category and the excitement that the entire team were doing to bring this, this vision to life. It's what the future of the wine category needs. And yeah, Nice is definitely the brand to make that change. Do you want to just give us, a, yeah, like a, a 60 second, like what is Nice? Like, how do you describe them? Yeah, so Nice, our mission is to reinvent a category obsessed with the past. So it's all about bringing a fresh approach to the world of wine. It's, we've always said, actually, if wine was invented today, would it actually be invented in a 750 millimeter glass bottle? Probably not. There's a time and place for it, of course, but consumers' lives of today have moved on, but the world of wine, it seems, hasn't. Uh, so, yeah, that was in a nutshell. <laughs> okay. It just, just going back to Captain Town Brewery quickly, I had chucked someone, it must have been a couple of years ago now, it was, yeah, it was just after we were coming up lockdown and all that. He worked for an agency, I can't remember what the agency's called, and they had done, I think, the research into like why Camden Hell's glasses are now that shape, that kind of wide. Were you there around that time? So I wasn't, that was before my time, but I was there as part. So yeah, ultimately there was two quite iconic glasses that Camden created, bespoke shapes. There was one called the Kenneth, which was like the taller, 
more traditional, I guess you could say, lager glass, pint glass. And then there was the one that you're talking about, which is called the jack glass. So it's a little bit shorter, a little bit wider. And I think originally when this was first launched, there was perhaps like a bit of negative feedback from the trade and customers thinking like, what is this? Like, this isn't really a your average pint glass. But then over time, people learn to really love it and so much so that it would be one of the most stolen glasses in the on-trade, which is sort of testament to, yeah, doing something different and disrupting a really traditional category. Yeah, so I don't know what the tall glass is like. I don't recall that, but the short glass, yeah, I remember thinking, yeah. like, what is this, like some weird, massive, wide pint glass. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And now they've even got a half pint jack as well. So it's like an even shorter, minier version, if you like half pints. That's what it'll usually come in. Yeah, I've actually got two. Yeah, I've got two glasses that they did like a, you can get a free glass thing if you bought. Yeah. If you bought packs in, in the supermarket, so I've got two of those. Yeah, that was a great gift we purchased. Yeah, and that was on the jack. Yeah, really versatile. Yeah, that's quite cool. Cool. So yeah, it's a nice. How do you how do you get customers clicking? So yeah, I guess going back to our mission, it's all about reinventing this category that's obsessed with the past, bringing a fresh approach to the world of wine. So in order to get customers clicking, we do this, I suppose, in twofold. I'm sure a lot of people will say a similar thing, but. We do this, I suppose, rationally through approachable, easy to understand language, which traditionally wine has never done. It's been very exclusive. People don't really understand it. There's quite lengthy words involved. And then also emotionally. So mainly through problem solving. So in our case, through like relatable occasions, that more that's more relevant for the lives of consumers today. So for example, when Lucy and Jeremy first launched the business about four years ago now, predominantly it started off as a canned wine business. That was the main format that they launched in. And so there's certain occasions where that is so much more convenient than a huge glass bottle, particularly for on the go, if you're outside, going to a picnic, festivals, etc. So it really serves quite a specific occasion. So just being very clear in what that is trying to deliver in a nutshell, visually and verbally online is ultimately the way that we, yeah, sort of drive those initial clicks. Yeah. I suppose it's kind of what we're seeing with a lot of the drinks industry. So cocktails have gone down that route a lot in the last couple of years. Yeah. There's a brand called Moth who we absolutely love, like really good quality cocktails in a can. It's definitely something that, yeah, it's not just beer brands were really the category to I suppose launch fully into this like traditionally they were in a glass bottle and it traditionally would be those really I suppose mass market almost seen as really bad quality beer put into cans and then you start seeing all the craft beer brands go into that space and you're thinking okay yeah this makes a lot more sense why hasn't wine ever done and and yeah as I said it's there's a certain time and place where a bottle will always stand the test of time, but other occasions where a can just makes so much more sense than trying to decanter wine into another plastic cup when you're on the go and then you've just got even more waste. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I suppose, I, I don't know if you have much info on this, but just from a purely like a business logistics efficiency point of view, do, are, are cans easier to use than bottles? Yeah, I suppose it depends, as I say, like on on the occasion, definitely for on the go, because ultimately you've got your opening there and then you can just get rid of it quite easily afterwards and can recycle it quite widely with it. I mean, for the business itself. So are cans 
cheaper and easier to use than glass or like is there a business reason to use a can over a bottle rather than just that consumer convenience factor yeah i'd say in terms of material and sourcing it's definitely something that's more more widely available i'd say like one of our suppliers that we work with they're the, one of the biggest can manufacturers they do all sorts of drinks and right. in terms of the content of like how much aluminium is recycled within that already is i think it's around about 60 percent. but yeah i think to be honest with you it's not something that we'd never say never going into a glass bottle but it just means that specific to that occasion is what we always come back to yeah okay I think one thing you wanted to talk about was community, wasn't it? So the community is definitely a big thing for brands at the moment. And I think, you know, I'm working with a really cool food brand at the moment. And their whole thing is about community. It literally started as a Facebook group. So how do you guys use community? How important is it to the brand? Love that, that that brand started off through a Facebook group. Yeah, so community is hugely important to us. And that's exactly what we're trying to do as a brand is create this sense of community rather than a club for the elite, as I say, that wine is sort of traditionally come across as. So we're ultimately breaking down those barriers that the world of wine is traditionally upheld. It's always historically been run by one type of person and also marketed to one type of person. So we're we're here to change that. We're, I guess you could say, wine for everyday people or what we refer to internally as, I guess, like the wine confused. We can feel a bit of a, wine's a bit of a minefield. And so we want to be able to kind of demystify and, and educate the masses on what wine at their level. So I think so I touched on originally, like Lucy and Jeremy, the co-founders, they wanted to address the problems that we face with wine and specific occasions. So I think way back when originally asking friends and family doing these initial smaller focus groups combined with category data kind of led to a format consideration as the main point of difference for this community of the wine confused. So like, as I've said, if wine was meant today, it certainly wouldn't have just been put into like this heavy, large bottle. I think there's still, as I said, a time and a place for it, but if you're on the train or want to head out to the park and you don't have anything to open a bottle, what do you drink from? Like there's another vessel that's involved. So thinking about the consumer occasion is first and foremost, and ultimately gathering feedback through our community along the way has been really important. So I, and I started off ultimately just launching in cans. And then about, I think it was about two years ago now, and we're just under, we launched Wine in a Box specifically for the at-home occasion. Again, thinking more around, I guess, we've actually internally coined the phrase, I suppose, like this positive impact that we're trying to put on rather than using the word sustainability. It can mean so many different things, but for us really thinking about what is the, what's going to have a more of a positive impact, whether that's across carbon footprint, material, recyclability or otherwise, where something like a box and the at-home occasion just makes so much more sense. And then most recently, we've just launched Wine on Tap for the traditional on-trade so people can enjoy a glass of wine straight from the tap without having to waste a whole bottle or straight into a craft for the most the more social sharing occasion. So at the moment, with these new formats that we're bringing out, we're starting to gather feedback from not just our community, but also potential customers, potential buyers, just understanding where and why they would see this as more of a benefit versus, for example, a bottle or a smaller PET, uh, plastic wine bottle, for example. Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of brands will at least message differently 
right? So they will say, you can use our product for this use case, this use case, this use case, but the actual product is the same. Whereas what you've done is say, well, all right, you might not want to have a bunch of cans at a dinner table, right? Because yeah. it doesn't quite have the same impact, but you also don't want a big bottle of wine if you're at a picnic or some sort of event or out and about or something. Totally. Yeah. And I think it's, we always, we've actually got some quite surprising insights as well. So we work trust pilot for our reviews and actually often we'll find that some people have said, oh, this is this has been great to, to buy as a gift because it's quite different to a bottle. So people can go on a buy a trial pack or a six pack of wine and try different wines. And actually we didn't realize how popular that was that people were sending them as gifts rather than for consuming themselves. So yeah, it's certainly around that format piece, something we're continuously gathering like the new insights and occasion usages basically i think as well like when we think about our target audience i think creating this community spirit comes from things like language so for example tone of voice and copy is such a huge factor for us whether that's from packaging through to social or email just recognizing that we're speaking to this community in their language and exactly how they would speak, whether that's breaking things down like tasting notes into really simple, easy terms rather than lengthy sentences that usually would be written in the world of wine, like notes of whatever or pairs with. It's all about, yeah, kind of doing this in a really fun and engaging way and something that that we do with that is, is I would say, personifying our wine. So, for example, we talk about our Malbec not just by the taste cues, but there's a line that we use that says like, we'll charm your friends given half a sip. So copy can be quite a powerful way of creating this community spirit as about, yeah, personifying your products. Like who would they be? How would they talk? Like we always refer to nice as being that friend to make you laugh at a room full of serious people. So it's just, yeah, ultimately who would they be if they were your mate? Like how would they speak? And just making sure that's consistent across every output. Yeah. I like that. So one thing that I've thought about a lot actually over the last few years, I've had quite a few discussions about it, and it's exactly that about like tasting notes. So with things like wine, whiskey, I like whiskey, coffee tends to have it as well. You look at these things and it says, oh, it's got notes of this and that. And But if you, if it feels like if you're not an expert, you don't have a clue what this means. Exactly. And I think... Yeah, people obviously want to know what they're buying into, right? And want to try it. If they've never tried it before, you've got to try You've got to sort of convey a sense of, yeah, ultimately, how is this thing going to taste? Like, how is it even going to smell? But I think you're right. Otherwise, clock, like complex liquids like coffee, as you say, even chocolate brands have done this as well, I think. Something that's otherwise quite like a premium positioning, but actually just speaking to people on their level, like just really easily. What is it in three words? I just, I really like either this is what I like, so give me a suggestion or some sort of quiz or something. So what one thing I've always wanted to test out would be asking people questions that they know the answer to because they know their, they know what their choice would be. And that allows you as the brand to say, well, based on your answers, we think you should have this. So you could do things like, yeah, like how do you have your coffee? Is it black? Is it a latte? Is it, is it a tea or a hot chocolate? And then if you're at a restaurant, which dessert would you choose? The chocolate brownie, the uh, cheese board, lemon tart, something like that. And all these answers allowed you to then build up something and say, okay, cool. We think you'd enjoy these wines. But one thing that's Pinter, I don't know if you know the brand Pinter. 
Yeah. So I think on their website, I don't know if it's like a hidden thing or they don't seem to push it as much as I think they should. It literally says, like, tell us which beers you drink and then we can give you recommendations based on that. So instead of saying, like, what style of beer do you like? What sort of flavors do you like? They literally just say, like, tell us which brands you like, which beers you drink and are happy with, and then we'll tell you which ones we'd, we would recommend based on what we think you'll like. It's just making it so much easier for customers. Definitely, and relatable, because I think especially in wine, there's so many different areas that people will be drawn to the most. Like people, I don't know, that there'll be almost like this different level of recruitment, I suppose, all the way from entry level. They'll just go for either maybe a brand that they recognize or something that their friends will drink all the way down to, I will buy the same bottle of Hardee's every week on, on my weekly food shop, and specifically Pinot Grigio, and I won't go any, on to, to any other brand as such. But so it's either, yeah, we'll, we'll usually find sort of led by by grape or it's ultimately people want a brand that they can recognize and trust. Or ones that have, like advertise. So there's a few a few brands that are getting more and more out there, like Brancott Estate. They rebranded a couple of years ago, I think now. And it's just, it is a more modern brand, I think, but it's, and it's much more standout on the shelf. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, since certainly since we started, canned wine specifically, there's definitely a lot more coming to the market, which is great. It's ultimately, there's a growing demand and need for it, right? And I think, if anything, it's great to see all of the different brands and how they're fitting in. And, and also even bigger brands now bringing canned wine more into their portfolio. So I think it's, although there's still huge opportunity for the category, it's ultimately, yeah, is there going to be a brand that will, I suppose, stand the test of time and have that longevity? And by by offering different things such as formats, it will slot into these different occasions. I think another way of, I suppose, that we've been engaging with our community is through what we call our niceness. So from a brand level, we're all about making it nice, right? It's in our name, it's in our nature. So for us, that's whether that's surprising and delighting people with with our free products or things like flash dances that we'll do, we, we'll, we have a social series called our Random Acts of Niceness, where we'll go out, we'll just do an act of kindness. It's very more of an exposed content series, but also it's not necessarily something that we know is going to get huge reach each time. It's something that we'll do every single month, but ultimately sort of helps build into that narrative that we're, that we're trying to get across. For example, we've handed out beanie hats on Blue Monday in January or surprise customers we went around to a load of Sainsbury's locals one day and just offered to pay for people's shops and the amount of people that were just like what's the catch like are you sure really like what's going on and in a nutshell you just very have to quickly say like look my name's Sophie I'm from Nice we're a future wine company we're here to basically pay for your shop today we just want to do this as an act of kindness or niceness we'd love to do this for you and it doesn't even have to feature product all the time but it's just creating really memorable experiences even if we touch 30 people rather than going out to the masses of 3,000 people but they're not necessarily going to remember that I think it's a lot more effective for us to be yeah honing in on that I think one of the ways that we were then able to then draw in community more this year was for example when it was February and there was leap year birthdays we got people to tag us and just say anyone who's got a leap year birthday who's ultimately missing their birthday this year tag us and we'll send you some wine Similarly, we did something with the the marathon a, a few weeks ago. So 
anyone who's ran the marathon, send us a photo with you and your medal and we'll send you some wine. So just all of these things allowed us to build up into this narrative and get people trying us in different ways and connecting on a more emotional level. Yeah, I like that. And like the campaign might not reach 3,000 people like straight away, whatever, but if you speak to 30 people and engage with them, those 30 people will probably tell maybe 100 more. And then that 130 people have had already a much better experience with the brand than the 3,000 people who just saw a video online and maybe liked it on Instagram or whatever. Yeah, totally. I think as well, one of the other most recent things that we've done as well is involve our community, I suppose, more into the business side of things rather than just on a product level. So for example, last month, actually, we just closed our first ever crowdfunding campaign. Uh, so it was the first time that we went out in the public. Yeah. And encouraged, ultimately, we wanted to not only get uh, like fans of the brand, but also potential wine drinkers or people haven't even necessarily tried our product, but they're just really fans of, of what we're doing. And it was just, yeah, really encouraging to see the results that we ended up getting. And I think one of the main outputs that we wanted to get from this is trying to encourage more women to invest. I think it's around about 18% of angel investors in the UK are women. And with our campaign, we ended on, I think it was just under 46% female like funding, which is around about, I think it was about 130% higher sort of the benchmark industry average. So it was a really powerful way for us to be able to convert even potential customers and just fans of the brand into playing a part in making a change in the wine industry and sort of joining our journey. So yeah, we're just now in the process of getting all the incentive investor incentive packages put together and they'll receive things like their own nice pink card, wine on, on their birthday, discount codes for them and their close friends and family. So I think it's just a great way to be able to, yeah, just bring people into that community a little bit more. Yeah. Do you know, so do you have a, not a loyalty scheme, but a group of very specific like VIPs, that very specific community that you use for feedback, new product launches and things? Yeah, exactly. So we have, so we have online, we've, we've, we basically have our own Shopify website and then we were also stopped on Amazon. And for us, shop. so to put it into context as well, way back when Lucy and Jeremy started business, fast forward to then, I think, what was it, 2020, 2021, mid-pandemic, trying to launch a wine business off the ground and break into things like the on-trade. Obviously, like everyone had to very quickly pivot. So actually managed to build up quite a robust database off the back of that. So we do have, yeah, essentially our VIPs are our top like repeat purchase customers that we have on specifically Shopify. So actually just this week, we are in the process of launching a new wine for the very first time, which is really exciting. And one of the ways that we've been getting the community involved is going out to our top customers, essentially on Shopify. They'll have exclusive access, be first to know about the product, and we'll also be sending them an introductory discount to get them trying the product, which we're then going to follow up with just a simple survey. It won't be anything too detailed, but just to get an idea of how they thought about liquid all the way through to design, pack, user experience. And then ultimately, it's almost, I guess, a bit of a soft launch, limited edition run, which will then inform the main launch, which will come out in June this year. And ultimately, yeah, help shape our campaign. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think it'd be a really good opportunity to ask for 
like descriptive stuff as well. So like, do you like the do you like the design of the of the can and everything? But also like, how would you describe this wine? Like if you had to talk to a friend about it, yeah, because then that's all the stuff you can use to refine that product page, refine your messaging, so that when you launch it, you're really hit getting that right message in front of people. Yeah, exactly. And actually, as well, just last week we also we've got another very top secret. I can't say too much. An launch coming later this year. And we basically went out and we did a focus group and we got people into our office. So it's just a great way of bringing them into the brand a little bit more and just having, it felt a bit more like an informal conversation, right? I think just understanding again, things like Cajun usages, blind taste tests, and then making sure that, yeah, we give them some wine to take away with them. So really valuable information that we're able to get off the back of that to help form things like MPD. Yeah. So yeah, are you able to do quite small runs of new products that you can test it because i imagine with a lot of other e-commerce they can speak to their supplier get like 20 sample units send them out to a few people but how easy is that to do with something that's got to be what like produced like wine yeah that's a good point we have on this occasion because of where we are sourcing it from so we've ultimately been able to almost combine a run for d to c and then we've also got an allocation that will just go out to a handful of customers to ultimately to be able to test and learn, right? And see not just from a consumer level, but also a customer level and how that's working for them, any feedback that they're getting from their then customers. So yeah, it's because usually with things like minimum order quantities, I'm sure other yeah. founders or business leaders will understand it's quite challenged to be able to have that flexibility. But even if, I think sometimes if people are aware that this is a limited edition thing or product that they are having first exclusive access to try, I think it's fine that it's not polished and ready and the final product. If anything, it's about being part of this journey and this process and they're able to almost get involved with it from the start. It's about being part of the secret, so to speak. Yeah. And I suppose internally, you've probably done quite a lot of testing with it you know, to make sure that the business is happy with the wine and you all think it's a good product to, to send out because yeah otherwise that could be a disaster <laughs> have you done any yeah do you, i mean do you do surveys and things on on more like what would you like to see from us kind of more r- rather than this is something sorry yeah rather than like this is something we want to produce C- can we speak to you about it get your feedback but more so more like open what wines would you like or what sort of products would you like to see from us? Yes, yeah, so we've done a combination of things where we do some qualitative, I guess, surveys where we go out to wine drinkers and also specifically can wine drinkers. We've done the same thing too, of people who are aware of us or have tried us asking, yeah, what would they like to see next? And we've also done the same thing with a post-purchase survey, basically from our Shopify customers. So again, people who are more regular shoppers of us and I'm more, more familiar with our liquids. So again, just keeping it quite open text, not giving them any leading answers. And yeah, there's quite, yeah, some quite interesting things in there, but yeah, it definitely does help. And it certainly does inform the direction that we go in. We'll always look at a combination of category, data, trends, the direction of where things are heading, but also we also get valuable insights from our customers. So it not just off trade, but the on trade is actually quite a big chunk of our business. And so we work with a lot of stadia and also festivals 
And we also can wine on all Virgin Atlantic flights. So that in itself is just like, it's amazing really how much feedback we will get from just friends and family, or even we'll get trust pilot reviews where people have like, I've tried you on a Virgin Atlantic flight and I loved it so much. I've repurchased. And then you can actually see who's left that review and go see exactly their Shopify order. It's amazing really. But I think it's one of those things where ultimately we'll always go out and try to decipher like what would people want, whether regardless that's from us or what would they just like to see from wine in general. And there's definitely the direction that we are heading this year is definitely from the feedback that we've got. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's you've got to be careful with Avenue because if you do give people options, then it's very easy to kind of accidentally add some bias to those options. And then people say, oh, yeah, definitely that. That's absolutely what I want. But also with open text, sometimes you'll get those people who will just dream up stuff and they'll actually sit there and have a think and they'll come up with some ridiculous ideas. And then you've got to think, well, all right, d- does anyone want? I mean, like a chocolate flavored wine, probably not. Maybe just double check some market data, but unlikely. I do like Tony's. It's good. It's good chocolate, isn't it? Cool. Just before we finish up, is there anyone in the kind of e-commerce world or like e-commerce marketing that you'd want to pick their brains? Yes, there's. I'd say more from a brand level. So I'm. I mean, I'm personally a huge fan of Finisterre. I think they are. And Glossier. Finisterre and Glossier, I would say for me, are brands that have managed to really crack e-commerce as their main platform in a category that's traditionally relied so heavily on retail, I think. And also they are a community first brand. I would say like Finisterre, you know, they, they share their love for the sea and outdoors and use people who are in these communities like on their shoes. So, like I was actually just reading an interview with David Gray. I think it's their creative content director. And he was basically saying that they don't just <clears throat> plan a photo shoot for the next campaign. They'll actually just uh, plan a full-blown trip away, like whether that's a camping trip or a trip to South Africa, which sounds amazing. And they'll just shoot in the background to make sure that it comes across that as really as authentic as possible of their product being in the world. So I think they're a really great example of putting community first and this sense of purpose. And Glossier, I suppose, have similarly created like a makeup brand off the back of community i think they use a phrase something like beauty solutions don't come from the border they should be built by you so yeah it was just a really great example of being able to i suppose disrupt categories that have always heavily relied on offline yeah and i think they are in the categories where people want to be engaged in it as well people get quite like passionate about the products and there can be a lot of people finding products that they that work for them, and then people are just loyal to it. That's it. That's what they're going to use, um, and they will happily record video, talk about it. So yeah, I think that's a big opportunity for like UGC and stuff for those brands. What's just one final piece of advice you'd offer brands about communities? Oh. That's a hard question. It sounds really simple, but I just say like nail the basics. It's so easy, I think, for brands to want to go full steam ahead in all different avenues, like particularly with marketing, e-commerce or getting people to click. It's so easy just to spend and spend, not just on e-com, but traditional media, I think. It's just about taking a step back and just putting yourself in the shoes of the customer and the consumer and then ultimately understanding 
everything about them. Where do they shop? Where do they like to go for information and inspiration? What is like the most important thing to them? What do they value? And then off the back of that, you'll be able to understand what drives them, like what community do they want to be a part of? And then ultimately you'll be able to, yeah, really get under the skin of things like purchase drivers and consideration drivers and being the brand to to do that in a very simple, easy to understand way. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of brands, a lot of smaller brands these days will, that they launch with kind of their vision, like that founder's vision. And then it almost feels like that community side and getting feedback is actually just slowing them down and getting in the way because they feel like they know it because they've got that vision for where they want the brand to go. And it's actually not how you did it. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Sophie. If anyone wants to reach out and find out more, what's the best way of doing that? Yeah, I guess on LinkedIn, just Sophie Bond or yeah, you can get me on my email address at sophie at nicedrinks.co.uk. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Sophie. Thanks for having me. Bringing customers closer to the to the brand is going to be so important going forward. You know, customers do want to like a brand. They want to engage with them and support them properly. Uh, but to create this engagement, you've really got to work hard at the community management and engagement piece. When I was in-house, we always had VIP groups of customers who would lean on for feedback. And in turn, they got special rewards and exclusives. New product launches is a great way to do that, not only to give them an exclusive experience, but also make your customers feel like they're really involved in growing the brand and uh, helping it develop. If you'd like to hear more from Sophie about community building, you can find her on LinkedIn. Any other podcast questions, feedback or guest requests, please send them over to will at customerswhoclick.com or DM me on LinkedIn. Next up, we've got Andrews Gloosman joining me. We're going to be talking about how brands can learn from what everyone else is doing to give them the best chance of success. But until then, keep those customers clicking.